going back to when there is a setback, whether it's yours and your business or a personal thing or a societal thing, like the way that women come together to create solutions, it's just, it's phenomenal. And we are just seeing that in droves in Web3. Welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast, where we talk all things business, Web3 and NFTs. We're on a mission to educate, elevate, and empower women into the world of Web3. So join us on this journey as we learn together from leading experts. And remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So please do your own research and enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sisterhood Club podcast with myself, Georgie Hubbard. And me, Pam Caldwell. Today, we are both very excited as we are sat with Amy Schoenthal. Amy writes for Forbes Women and covers topics including founders, cult shifters and change makers. Her passion for women comes out in her recent article featuring leading women in crypto, Web3, NFTs and the metaverse. Amy is also the VP of a digital agency, Booth, where she helps small businesses grow their digital presence. Amy, so good to have you here today. I absolutely loved your article with Michelle. And uh, really excited to get stuck in today. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your journey, and what brought you here today. Over to you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to both of you. Um, I love talking about women in crypto and women pioneering in any industry. Um, I So I have been writing for Forbes Women for about six years now, and I usually cover women who are, you know, business leaders, founding companies, and usually those who are trying to solve some sort of problem in society. I was introduced, I think it was over the holiday season. So I had a little bit of a lull in in work. And I also work at a marketing agency. That's my, that's my main job. And I had a little bit of a lull, um, you know, we're off the week between Christmas and New Year's. And of course, uh, you know, I was poking around on the internet as one does. And I saw that two women who I I know fairly well had had decided to collaborate to start an NFT company, um, a Web three company. They both had uh, they were very successful in their Web two companies that they had founded, and they collaborated to form what is now Meta Angels. Um, so Allison Downey and Alex Kavalakis, um, and they sent an email around and they said, "We know a lot of people are interested in Web three. We're going to host this little very informal webinar." Q&A, very, you know, just like Web3 Metaverse 101. And I said, oh, I might as well just join that, see what's going on, see what see what these two cool people are doing. And they just broke it down into such easy to understand terms. And I thought it was, I was so fascinated by, it. you know, it was like an hour long. So it was a good amount of time, but I wanted more. And so I thought, well, what better way to learn about a new industry, a new technology than to write about it. And if I'm going to publish an article about something, I'm going to really need to learn about it. I'm going to need to learn how to speak and write about it. And so I asked them um, if I could interview both of them. And that turned into not just an article about them. They ended up, we did an interview that probably lasted an hour and a half, two hours. Like it went so far over, but they were so generous with their time because I had a million questions about how everything worked. And as you know, women in Web3 are just so generous with their time and information. And they just like want to educate everyone, or at least that's been my experience. And then they sent me a list of names. And as soon as we got off the phone, they started emailing me to, you know, to introduce me to other women who were doing amazing things in Web3. And that's what led to, so then three months later, I finally published, finished the interviews and finished the writing 
published the women of the metaverse article for Forbes. And that's the one that sort of went, I don't want to say viral, but it, it went a lot of places. And so that led to other opportunities, other interviews, speaking engagements, conferences. Um, and I just sort of immersed myself in this world as one of the first women to write about it. So it's been great. It's been a, it's been a ride. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I read the article and it, it just gave me so much inspiration because like I said to you when we first started talking, this this space is brand new. And what the general sort of feeling when I'm speaking to women in Web3 is that a lot of us feel like perhaps we have been left out of Web2 conversations. And with this new technology coming into play, we need to sit at the table. So you shining a spotlight into some of the female founders and what they're doing in this space was just so like I said, inspiring. And, you know, Pam and I have definitely been diving into some incredible business models and just watching women just shine in this space. And it's just so incredible to, to watch. So curious to know, like what your journey has been. And when you first, like you mentioned, you went to like this, the seminar and you've been, you were listening to some things and it sparked your interest, but what, what, how do you sort of like explain it to people? Because right now there is this so much of this NFT scam and crypto this and oh, it's just Bitcoin. It's like, no, 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 no. Like it's so much more than that. So what are you sort of finding now that we've kind of, we are in this bear market. What are you noticing in terms of people still curious, but perhaps a little bit on the fence still? We'd love to get your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, I mean, well, number one, I think the way I just explain the space to people is that it's not all that complicated. At the end of the day, we're just, it's a new technology, but we're just using new words to describe things that already existed. Like a DAO is a co-op, you know, and um, a woman named uh, Venus Shah, she works at a company called Stardust and they do gaming. And she explained it to me just so simply. She's the one that, that said that. And I learned that from her. I said, look, I don't really understand what this is. She said, Amy, a DAO is a co-op. It's like sharecropping. It's like the oldest model. You know, it's 200 years old. They're just calling it something new. Um, you know, all the, all the terms, all the language, it's, it's adaptations of things that already existed, you know, HODL, HODL is a typo that just kind of took off and that's fine, but it's just, it's not that complicated if someone takes the time to explain it. And so I, I feel like that's a big thing again, that, you know, we were all talking, like we've all seen in web three when, when women are at the table and women are the ones that are doing the, um, the educating, they're not trying to say like, Oh, I know all these fancy terms, but like you can't be involved in, um, they just take the time to explain it. And that's been super helpful. I think to your point about the the bear market right now and everyone saying like, Oh, I didn't get in. And I'm so glad I didn't because I didn't lose all my money. Well, number one, and this has been said by many, many people that I've spoken to, you shouldn't be investing anything you can't afford to lose. This is new. Markets are tumultuous. I mean, the same kind of goes for the stock market. I think, you know, I'm not going to give people investing advice, but you really shouldn't be investing anything you can't afford to lose. Um, crypto is such a nascent industry. Um, there's going to be peaks and valleys. Um, but, you know, a, a woman I, I just interviewed uh, for my Queens of Crypto series, her name's Ariana Pierce, and she does a lot of this education. Um, she hosts a crypto trading club where she gets on a Zoom with a bunch of women and they all um, decide, you know, what to buy, what to sell. 
in terms of currencies, in terms of NFTs, you know, things like that. And so she said, if you, and so this is, you know, this is someone who's very immersed in just like market trends. She said, if you spread the chart out from, from now all the way back to the beginning, you'll see that the trend line, while yes, in recent months it has dipped, overall it's up. And so that to me indicates that this is not something that's going away. Um, there's dips, you know, that doesn't mean this is over. That doesn't mean it was a flash in the pan, but the, you know, the bear market, yeah, the bear market is leading to a build market, which means it's weeding out the people who were just here to make a quick buck to get in while it was trendy and cool. Like there's a bunch of celebrities, I won't name names, but there's a bunch of celebrities that said nothing about crypto (laughs) publicly. And then all of a sudden they were launching an NFT the next day. And now they're, you know, not talking about that anymore. And so what I think a lot of the women founders that I talk to are excited about, which sounds strange to say in these times, but what they're excited about is that Mm -hmm. this moment in time is weeding out those who don't have that long-term vision and don't, and aren't here for, um, you know, absolutely for the long haul. Yeah. 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 And, you know, that's just going to take the conversation in a really lovely direction just from that comment there. I very recently got involved in the world of Web3 and NFTs. Um, I don't know if you know, but Georgie and I actually run a tech recruitment firm. So we've we've always had a real interest in trying to make a bit of a footprint and a difference in terms of encouraging women to get involved in technology. Um, But from very recently, I would say at the turn of the year through Georgie, um, I started really getting enthusiastic about this space, shall we say. But I've, I've just in that short space of time, Amy, I've noticed definitely a difference in terms of the way that these projects are popping up in terms of the ones. They're not just it's not just art pieces anymore. It's not just a JPEG. It's business models. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel that the projects aren't projects anymore the ones that are going to have longevity and and see it through the current market conditions are the ones that have actually got utility behind that Mm -hmm. so I'm really interested in terms of you being in the market and speaking to so many different female founders and looking at those business models what's what's been your experience in terms of how NFTs and the sort of projects have evolved from even the start of this year to to now Well, I think it's exactly what you said, you know, everything that does not have any sort of utility is, you know, it's not going to last, it's not going to stick around. Um, Art is art. And if there's really cool art, that's value, that's, that's utility, right? If you have, if you buy a piece of art, physical art, digital art, an NFT, whatever you buy, if you buy it just to sell it, it's going to be a different situation than if someone buys a piece of art because they love that piece of art and they want to hold on to it for a significant amount of time, right? There's people that are in it for the long haul because they, you know, they think this might be an opportunity to build generational wealth and they buy an NFT or a piece of art that they think that will be able to be built upon in the future of Web3 in the future of the metaverse. You know, you could add elements to it like you can in a game. That's interesting because, and that seems like it'll be a little bit more valuable because they're not just trying to offload it and they're not saying, wait, I bought this for $300. Why isn't it worth $30,000 now? You know, that's not necessarily, of course, that's a reason to buy, of course, but that's not really like a reason to, I would say, be in this world and like be in this industry. Um, Yeah. And, and I think a lot of, 
NFT projects that came out really early and even some that had some some early success, they were claiming that the utility behind their project was the community that you can enter into if you purchase or you're a holder of one of their NFTs. And I think it was a little misguided in terms of the types of community they were building. If it was just like your NFT unlocks access to a discord page, then you have to go navigate discord and you have to see like, who's in this community? Who am I trying to talk to? And all of a sudden you have like another thing to do and it's a little clunky. Um, if there's, if there's a stronger community element than, than maybe like the meta angels, they have this very cool lending tech lending technology. Mm -hmm. And so if you hold, if you are a holder of one of their NFTs, they have a way where you can lend it to someone else and they can come into the community and their community has something called Mm -hmm. a wishing well. And you put that into, you know, you put like a wish, like, Oh, I want to, you know, publish a book this year. I want to, and one person Mm -hmm. said, I want to quit my job and join a web three company full time. And that woman ended up working with Brandy Zuckerberg and she's the co-founder of hug. Mm. And so that's the kind of like, that's a, that's a value in community Mm. right there. Right. Like making connections like that. Sure. But if you're just like, you can come to our discord and you have no idea who else has purchased one of these NFTs and you're just joining a random community. Is that valuable? Mm. Maybe, but not to me. Um, Mm. So it's, it's interesting when you say utility, it's like, what is the utility? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm a holder of one of the Meta Angels and I absolutely love that project. Okay. And the Wishing Well is just phenomenal and definitely gave us some ideas for what we wanted to do. And and I love these sorts of stories where, you know, that woman posted, like, I want to have a job with three. And then she went to work at Hug. Like, that's that's incredible, right? And we had a similar sort of situation happen in our community where a woman was looking for a job. And obviously, Pam and I having a recruitment firm, we introduced her to one of our clients and she got a job. Amazing. So that's the sort of like Amazing. power of community, right? And yeah. that is community to me. It's like actual real value. And I'd love to sort of go in now as we're sort of talking about this new shift in NFT projects to more business and what the mindset you believe that founders should have you know I think like a lot of the nft drops that happened maybe back in january they weren't experienced entrepreneurs they jumped on something because it was a bit hyped up they saw it as a bit of an easy way to make money things have changed now people are looking at the founders what are you offering which is why pam and i were just so bullish on what we're building with the sisterhood school because we generally want every single one of our holders to come in and from day one have value i want them to come in learn earn grow and really become the best version of themselves like that's what our mission is with our project so love to get your thoughts on business models in this space and what you're seeing other projects do now in terms of developing their utility or launching their own projects and what you're sort of seeing the founder's mentality being right now. Yeah, I think even for the founders that maybe came in early and had some sort of intention for what they were going to do in this space and then, you know, maybe made a few mistakes and a few months later thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done something different. I feel like I don't know if this is true, but I have a, I could, I would bet a lot of money. I would bet a lot of crypto that every single founder in the space who's been around for more than, you know, three months 
might be able to look back and say, I wish I had done this three months ago because the space changes Mm. so fast. And obviously the power of hindsight is very strong, but you don't know what you don't know when you're starting. And and one of the things that Mm. every founder I speak to and every leader I speak to, you don't just have to be a founder. Every, every story I hear, not outside of the world of crypto as well, is that people often get to their most brilliant and innovative ideas after experiencing some sort of setback, whether it is a series of small setbacks, whether it is a personal setback, a career one, a business one, someone pulled funding from them, they lost their investor, um, you know, they had to move cities, a, a societal setback, there was a global pandemic, and they had to shut everything down. I mean, like, the amount and the number of setbacks that one can experience um, is astronomical. And I do find, you know, one of the themes that I always see in in my interviews and, and my writing is that it's what they do after that setback. What kind of mindset do you adopt? Are you going to, you know, I mean, take your time, reel from it, grieve whatever you lost. And then it's, it's, what do you do next? Do you think it like, do you pivot? Do you walk away? Do you take what you learned? Or did you maybe see something in that moment and say like, that was really bad. Here's how I can make it better. It's often the people who do that, that are very, very successful. Um, or at least, you know, they have some sort of, you know, creativity because you, I think you're the most creative when you're, I don't want to say you have nothing to lose, but it's in that moment, like right after you kind of climb out of that dark period where you're like, okay, I had to just throw away all these plans. What's next? And then you, you kind of have space for imagination and that's when the brilliance comes in. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo poo anyone who came in guns blazing in January and, and did some crazy project and it was like lightning and then it totally disappeared. Um, I'm just going to say, what, what is that person going to do next? What did you learn from it? What are you going to do next now that we've been in this space a while and we've seen what success is and we've seen some best practices put into place. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, web three is a technology. It's a platform. It's not an industry right? There's still fashion and, uh, you know, spirits and uh, software as a service, like their industries or technology, they're still industries. Um, this is if you have mm-hmm. an idea to solve something, you can probably do it on mm-hmm. Web3. But Web3 is an extension of what you're doing. It's not, it's not everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And just, just to quickly jump in there as well. I think like what you say is what people do next. And I think the worst thing that people can do is go into hiding. I think our society, we, we don't talk about failure enough. And, and what I think would be really powerful to see is somebody come out and just to be like, do you know what guys, this, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to go, but this is what I'm going to go and do. I'm going to go and learn from this experience. I'm going to go take some time. I'm going to go and journal this out and come back as a stronger, wiser person from it, right? But no one does that. Everyone's sort of too busy taking pictures of their holidays and their houses and their cars, but we don't we don't want to talk about the failures, right? Because it's hard and it's it's vulnerable. Yeah. But, you know, I, Carl and I, my husband, we started a business called Flife and uh, we poured all of our heart, soul, money into that and but it failed. And it, it took me a long time to really deal with that process. This was, goodness, going back eight years ago now. But we were young, 
dumb, you know, full of energy and we just wanted to do something. But I look back at that experience now with hindsight and go, wow, that was the making of me mm-hmm. as a young entrepreneur because I took all those learnings from that business and applied it to my second business that was a success, our recruitment yep. company. But this is the thing that people don't talk about. So if anyone is listening to this right now that has started a business that went, you know, it didn't go go to plan during COVID or you've launched something, like what did you learn from it? There's no such thing as failure, only failure to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that I really want to stress to, to, to everybody who's starting a business because I've got so much respect for anybody who puts themselves out there, who starts a business, because as we know, it is challenging, it is hard. And there are times when you just go, what am I doing this for? You know, I remember Pam and I laughing at the start of our business thinking, oh, wouldn't it be so nice just to be sat on a salary and earning some superannuation and, you know, <laughs> just like not having all the stress. But there is yeah. a plus side, of course, to it. But people see the the iceberg of success, right? All of the mm-hmm. top and they don't see what goes into it. Long nights, long hours, all of the failures and all the thing mm-hmm. in between. Totally. So, yeah, totally. it's really important. Yeah. yeah. I, I think people um, are willing. I would... Oh, so go ahead. Good. No, carry on. No, no, this is about you. On you. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I do think that people talk about their failures, but only when they've reached their next sort of peak and they can look at their failure in hindsight. Like I bet the way you just talked about your first company and how it was a devastating experience, but you learned so much, you probably couldn't have spoken about it like that when you were in that devastating moment. We don't talk about our failures while we're experiencing them or in the immediate aftermath. We don't talk about what I find in all the um, people that I speak to is that they talk about their failures or their, again, their setbacks. I'm not trying to glorify, you know, pain or suffering or failure. And you don't need to have setbacks to get success. But people talk about it because it did define them or, you know, what you just yeah, said, yeah. like it made you you. Um, mm. And so it's, it's really interesting yeah. that that yeah. becomes such a critical part of people's stories. But while you're in it, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't quite see it yet. So it's almost like, I wish there was like a playbook yeah. that people could have like, Oh, I'm in this devastating moment. What, how do I climb out of it? What do I do next? Right. Cause everyone yeah, goes through so many people this. go through it to some degree. I mean, everyone will experience a setback at some point in their lives. So it's, you know, mm, it's very yeah. interesting. It's, it's, it's all too mm-hmm. easy to get yourself in a bit of a black hole mm-hmm. and those tough points in life. And you, you, you get so stuck in those moments Mm -hmm. and if we could only just take a step back and think right okay my career is going to span 30 40 years do not get stuck in this one moment try and just remove yourself from the situation and look at it from a real top-down perspective right it's not going to define your entire career it's and that's it. It's a, it's a learning curve. Take it as a place to grow from, which I appreciate if you've just lost your entire life's savings in that particular mm, yeah. moment in time. Pretty hard pill to swallow, yeah. but it does, it, it, it makes you grow thicker skin. And, mm. you know, that's when you do tend to find moments of inspiration and, and really do, do grow from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really important point mm. to touch upon. And if I could just sort of rewind to, you mentioned earlier that when you've been reaching out to projects and the projects that have really interested you, um, there's been a focus on the social impact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the projects that are looking to sort of make a difference in the world. So in terms of the, the sort of female projects that, that you've looked at, how, how do you see that Web3 and NFTs um, can actually make a difference in the world and, and add some real world value? 
there, that is a big, there are some big answers to that. I think what what I saw, I mean, people, you know, people can make a difference in the world, um, in, in many ways. One of the, one of the very cool projects that I saw, um, and I think when, when big tragedies, when big societal tragedies happen, people just, you know, we all sit here and we say, what can we do? What can we do? And often it's just like, I don't know, you reshare something on Instagram, you post something on Twitter, like, is that enough? I'm donating to some organization, but like, is that enough? What am I doing? Um, what happened in the, uh, in the aftermath, we had a, a really devastating uh, school shooting in, in the U S a couple months ago, um, with some really young children. And so everyone was just very much like, what can we do? And, uh, Randy and Debbie from hug, um, they got together were 19 victims and they got together 19 artists and they had them each, you know, create a piece of art. You know, a lot of artists were asking like, what can we do? What can we do? They, so they basically commissioned 19 NFTs, um, from artists. And a few of those artists were actually under 12. They turned it around so quickly. Um, they, you know, they uploaded obviously the NFTs and all proceeds went to every town for gun safety. And so that was, to me, a really just interesting use of Web3 to give back. And, you know, it wasn't just about, I think it went beyond just the money that was used to purchase the NFTs and the money that went to every town. Um, I think that it gave the artists an outlet to do something, to express themselves, to express their grief and their sadness over this tragedy. I think it gave, again, like people who... You you want to talk about community like this is this is how a community kind of like came together like what do I have to offer here you know I can make art I can you know I can get my NFT community together I can oh I can buy the art like that's really meaningful to me and so it I think it it just sparked a conversation and it just really showed the power and the the, the how fast what people in Web three can come together and unite around a social cause um, a few people also. You may have heard that abortion rights are being rolled back in the U.S. And so, oh, uh, I have, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. It's big, big topic mm-hmm. of conversation here. So, um, mm-hmm. we, we all might be coming to Australia. So we'll we'll see. But <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> well, don't look at but, the reason. I think uh, it was actually because when um, I've actually sort of dove a little bit deep into the abortion laws and interestingly I was actually reading Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg's book at the time um, oh and yeah and it's just you know she was obviously touching upon when it was legalized and I thought well, how can we get be getting to 2022 mm-hmm. and almost taking a step back in time it's mm-hmm. it's really it's, it's disgusting uh, but then I thought hmm I wonder what the actual laws are in Australia. So you say that, but and actually there's a state in Australia, South Australia, and it was actually only formally legalised last year. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah, it's we're so We're not as recent, far as we think we know, are. The, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> no, right? We're not. And I would never have thought that, that before. <laughs> Absolutely, I know. Um, but yeah, um, really, really tricky times in the US and it yeah. seems to be fairly divided over yeah. at the moment just in terms of like gun laws, abortion, yeah. a lot of different really high profile topics. But there are, so there's another um, project that's coming together. It's called Choice Dow, and it's a group of organizations, women-led organizations um, and women leaders. Rashma Saujani, who was the founder of Girls Who Code, and now she does Marshall Plan for Mom. She's part of this. And it's all these women coming together to create a DAO 
And, uh, you know, all funds in this, you know, collection will be used to support, you know, uh, abortion rights and, and access to health care for women. So, again, like you think about just um, going back to when there is a setback, whether it's yours and your business or a personal thing or a societal thing, like the way that women come together to create solutions, it's just it's phenomenal. And we are just seeing that in droves in Web3, the way uh, the creativity that comes about, like to create this, this fund, like, could you imagine like a a VC firm creating like a a fund for abortion rights? Mm -hmm. Like not, I don't know. It's just, it's a very interesting use of Mm. Web3 for good. So. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm. Um, And, you know, it is so interesting as well that there's never been so much education Mm. around the uh, around web three and nfts until women came into the space and just through some of the projects i mean you've really touched upon some real impactful um projects there and you know without women having a seat at the table would these topics be at the Mm. forefront of you know your vc firms or your Mm. your alpha male type projects absolutely not Mm. right and the way that the web three community is all pulling together it is so inclusive it is so supportive i mean you know we sort of mentioned your article with michelle reeves at mavion she has been absolutely a fantastic contact for us she is just you know she's more than happy to make connections and share oh i think it would be interesting for you to have a conversation with this person Mm, and that is that is the way that the world has been and that is the type of community that Mm -hmm. i have been searching for i've been searching for something for a long time um and i tried to join a couple of different communities and um you know, like women's groups and female founder groups. And I just didn't really quite connect. Mm. And that's when Georgie had mentioned about creating the sisterhood. I thought, you know, if you can't find something, create mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and that was like the real passion behind. I thought, right, okay, I'm in. Because I'll be honest, at first, I didn't really understand the concept of NFTs. That wasn't really enough for me. So the utility mm-hmm. had to be strong. It had to be something that I would want to be a part of. But the way that the community um, is, is the female community in Web3 is driving forward is absolutely phenomenal. And I really, I hope that that's not something that is lost because mm-hmm. it is very inclusive and it is very, we're all in this together. Let's get this message out and let's bring the world together, make social impact, make a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It feels a lot like the early days of Web2 but we're mm-hmm. all much more like it's a small group because I was I was there like I was one of the first people on like Twitter and I was on marketing Twitter and I made a lot of friends and I feel like it's like that with the community and we all feel like oh we're all figuring this out together but it's um it's more intentional now I mean it's probably just the state of the world now but it's also just like women have sort of like had enough and we're like there's a new thing there's a new opportunity for wealth we're gonna get in here we're not going to let this sort of no. like we see the stats, we see that men own um, crypto at, you know, twice the rate of women. We're not going to let that slide. Like, okay, I'm a woman, I'm a woman, I'm going to come do this. I'm going to bring my friend, I'm going to introduce my friend to this person. You know, it's very, the people that have come in and, you know, rolled their sleeves up and tried to figure it out. They're bringing everyone, you know, (laughs) like they want to, they want to run this, they want to run this and they want to avoid all the mistakes that were made in web two. And, and how mm. unruly that got and how not inclusive and scary not inclusive that got. So, Yeah, 
absolutely yeah i know i'm just dying for there to be like a web3 platform that you know we can really start owning our own you know content again as opposed to just sort of like you know posting all this great amazing stuff but like you know not getting rewarded for that as well like i want it to be the creator economy and i really do feel like web3 will be that and and to help artists and to help co- yeah content creators that you just think goodness like it, we know who's profiting from all of their amazing you know pictures and art it, it, it's certainly not them like that's what really excites me in this new space is this equality and inclusion and i really hope that as we do hopefully you know are going to hit the mainstream whenever that happens i think we're probably a little while off yet but i really hope that web3 doesn't lose that and i think how that's going to happen is to make sure that women play a key role in that so this greed and this you know this oh i want to come in and scoop it all up it's that's not going to happen right and What's really interesting as well, what I found from speaking to other female founders is that everybody wants to like, like Pam just said then, Michelle was like, oh, you need, I'm going to introduce you to all of these people. There's none of this scarcity mindset of like, you know, oh, these are my followers. Mm. No, no, no. If I introduce you, if I post about you, if I like reshare your content, that's, that's not, I'm not, I'm going to miss out. And I think web three is about we, not me. And this is what I keep yeah. on saying. It's like, come in. And even in our community, we've got like help a sister or follow a sister. And I'm encouraging everyone to be like, you know, drop your businesses. Let's all follow each other. Let's all support one another because there is enough abundance for all. Mm-hmm. We've been told a lie that, you know, there's only this small amount of um, positions at the top or there's only a, a certain amount of money in the world. And it's just not true. There is so much abundance out there and it's ours for the taking. And I just want everyone to hear this to be like go and get it this is the time this is the opportunity and don't miss out women and just go for it but I'd love to know what your sort of thoughts and vision is like where where do you think we're going when do you think in your personal opinion we are gonna see this hit the mainstream and see that mass adoption coming through I mean that's a great question if I had a very clear answer on that, I would be a a billionaire, but I I have some theories based on, you know, people Mm. I've spoken to and and other theories that are floating around. But I think, you know, things don't hit the mainstream until uh, conversation about Web3 already is mainstream. Actual Mm, people having crypto wallets and, you know, having mm-hmm. having their finances involved in some way, even in a little bit in crypto, mm-hmm. that has not see, uh, taken off yet. But the conversation mm-hmm. is happening, which means adoption is next. I think what probably has to happen for that to, to take place is some sort of really, really big and necessary feeling utility. So for example, um, if you're airline loyalty card now lived on web Mm. three or, you know, your, um, uh, you had to do some, so I I keep thinking of finance. I don't know why, but like you had to, Mm. uh, redeem your credit card points on web three or something like that. Or, you know, you could get some really cool like pair of sneakers, um, or your, Mm you know, like if you shop at a certain retailer and they, they give you loyalty mm-hmm. rewards, you know, if that stuff starts happening on web three, yeah. people are going to, because it's just going to be a habit that we're all used to doing. Mm-hmm. But now instead of right. it living here on your phone, you know, mm-hmm. in your, in web mm-hmm. two and whatever apps, mm-hmm. you have to just download a new app and put your money in a different mm-hmm. place. Like 
I don't think it's going to yeah. feel that different. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you, things are just going to be hosted on a, a different platform and you might not even feel it right now. You know, you have to like mm. create a MetaMask wallet and transfer your yeah. dollars into, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ethereum mm. and that you, you have to go to mm. Discord and you have to like do all this stuff and it's very clunky. Mm. Also, another thing I think might happen um, for this to take on a more like mainstream approach is Discord either needs like a makeover or it needs to be replaced. <laughs> Because I think people get in, I mean, myself included, I think when I started trying to learn about this space and I got into discord, I was like, I hate this. (laughs) Like, It's so ugly and it's so not user friendly. Mm. And I'm already like, I'm already on on all the other platforms. Like I just got myself used to TikTok. Like, do I really need to go to another thing? Mm. So I think you have to meet people where they are. So once we can get web free ingrained into things that we're already doing, Mm. that's when it's going to take off because then a whole host of people who were reluctant are going to start using it. So I think, I think the user experience Mm -hmm. and, you know, some sort of like ongoing habit, if you can, if you can like put those together or they could even happen like individually, that's Mm -hmm. when it's going to take on mass adoption. Yeah. That's my theory. It's, it's we'll see. You see that we'll because, see. Um, yeah, I love that. Mm. I'm yet to find someone that actually enjoys spending time in Discord, so I feel as though that needs to evolve pretty quickly. <laughs> if anyone's there out there listening that actually it. does have an idea, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah go on. Uh, but yeah, there's there's so many different social platforms to actually keep on top of. Now you are right. Um, yeah. Discord's just like it can be a bit of a hassle. You know, to, to yeah. go in and um, it's not exactly the most enjoyable user experience, shall we yes. say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have heard well, that it, people are working just... on a on a update or a yeah. new version of Discord. Oh, That's what I hear through on. the grapevine. So I'm waiting. I'm <laughs> right. like, I'll write the article sure, about you yeah. do it well. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, my yeah, call. Yeah, That's yeah. my call to everyone working on this. If you do a good job and you really change this, I will I will write about it. <laughs> Yeah, I love in. It. I'm in. Um, I would actually like to circle back if we could step away from NFTs and the world of Web3 for a moment. Okay. Um, your current role is VP of Digital. Now, you know, you mentioned that you, you help small business owners increase like their online presence. Um, so we actually do have a lot of women in our network um, via Sisterhood and CH Solutions um, who either have like their, their own business currently mm-hmm. um, or have an idea of a business that they would like to they would like to launch so in terms of you know those um female founders out there at the moment that really want to make that imprint online what would be your your top tips how can women get more of a presence with their business online Oh my goodness. Well, my, uh, Another my big biggest, question. it's a big question and it's going to be so different <laughs> for so many different people. And it depends what industry you're in. Like, it, okay. So if you are, yeah. if you have a location, if you have a physical location, mm-hmm. you are a storefront, make sure. And now I have to clarify that my biggest client is Google for small business. And that's why, um, in, mm-hmm. you know, whatever bio I probably sent you, it said, I, you know, do marketing for, for small business owners. Um, so I have to clarify that before I go tell you what to do, because I'm going to say <laughs> yep, I think one of the most important things for a storefront business is to make sure that your Google Maps business listing or your Google My Business mm-hmm. business listing has your hours, has like, you know, claim that business. Mm-hmm. Make sure that yes. your hours are correct, your phone number is correct. If you have a website, get it on mm-hmm. there. So many small business owners are just, you know, you open a business because you want to sell records or you want to, um, mm-hmm. you know, 
create art or do all these things, but you don't want to do marketing. You don't want to do the admin, Mm -hmm. but one of the most, the easiest and one of the most important things you can do is just make sure that Google maps listing. If you have a physical location is up to date, ask people to leave reviews, ask people to post photos. Um, all of that is going to go very, very Mm -hmm. far. And then again, you know, I, I mean, like I can't, everyone's like at a different place in their, um, I guess, online literacy in terms of how they're marketing their small business and making sure people can find them. But I think make sure your website is, is decent. Like it is so easy to build like a Squarespace template, build a nice Squarespace template, you know, make sure that your website looks good. Make sure it's up to date. Um, I have a very good friend who uh, owns a bakery and I just sent someone to her to look at her bakery because she's getting married and she went and looked at the bakery and it said like something about Christmas hours. <laughs> it's, it's July oh, or it's August, yeah. you know? So I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, update your website. Cause that's the first place you mm-hmm. look. Um, and she said, Oh no, 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 go to my Instagram. And I was like, but that's not, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. you do what you got to do, but just make mm-hmm. sure that when people are looking for you, whether it's a physical location or just like Googling you mm-hmm. and what comes up first, yeah. just make sure it, make sure it looks good. Make sure it has all the up-to-date information. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Like the mm-hmm. small things are often the big mm-hmm. things. Yeah. It's in the detail, the basic- right? And mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. We actually were looking to secure an event space for our first in real life event. And interestingly you say that we tried to call one venue that we mm. thought we really liked the look of and the number was wrong yeah <laughs> so we were like oh next you know we but exactly in that exactly they lost that mission the, because they didn't have their yeah, information up to date absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. so yeah the small things are the big things thank you for mm-hmm. that tip and i think mm-hmm. as the generations pull through we have got uh, we've got certain expectations on what a website offers offers us now as well. You know, you expect a certain aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, you expect a certain amount of content, you know, mm-hmm. you want to see exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. So thank you for those top tips. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. they'll definitely help some of the female founders in the community. Amy, yeah. thank you. Course, well, 100%. And I think that one thing that keeps on getting drummed into Pam and I, whenever we start you know businesses is the the power of your, of your personal brand and whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, a baker, you know, you own an online business, you own a storefront, you know, people buy from people, full stop. I've always said it. Who are you? Do I trust you? Do I like you? Like I I will go to a cafe because of the experience, not just the coffee. When Mm -hmm. I walk into a business, how am I made to feel? Am I being served? Am I welcomed with a smile? Am I, you know, like it it does not all about the the product. It's also Mm -hmm. about the service. It's also how you greet people. And that is online and offline how like this is what people need to need to understand is that we do live in a digital age and if your business is not online you do not exist right and I think that that is it's sad but it's true uh that is the way the world is going like you know whenever I did a bit of traveling before I uh, arrived in Torquay and I'd always google cafe and if you didn't come up with the first sort of three searches I wasn't going to go to you because Mm -hmm. I want to go and get a coffee and Mm -hmm. like you just said there like what's the opening hours Mm -hmm. I look at that I look at you know just the pictures and I'd suss out just based on that whether or not I was going to go to that business or not and it's so subtle and it's so small but it is so important as a business owner so really think about that but Mm. yeah. yeah Think yeah. about the experience that you're showing online, you mm-hmm. know, think mm-hmm. about, think about how you're communicating the experience of other people. So if you have a great customer mm-hmm. say, Hey, can you go leave me a review? 
Can you take a photo so I can put it on my website? Like think about your journey as a consumer searching for a business Mm -hmm. and make sure that that's how people can discover you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One one powerful thing that we started doing with our business CH is we started posting testimonials and that, that actually has had such a great response because again, it's like your customers are your biggest fans. So even if you're, like I say, you're a baker, you know, you could just get a quick picture of Sue who comes to buy her, you know, croissants from you every morning and say, meet Sue, you know, she's one of our uh, regular customers. And, you know, people love that. They love to be noticed. They love to be, you know, seen. And I think in a world where we are quite dismissive, we're busy, if you just feel that care from somebody, that kindness, that goes a long, long, long way. And I think that that has always been drummed into me. People don't remember what you say. They remember how that you make you make them feel, right? Mm-hmm. So that is so, so important. And especially in Web3, when you are inviting people into this new world, make them feel safe. Make, don't make them feel stupid. Make them feel like they can ask all the questions uh, that they want to ask. Because mm-hmm. I know I had loads when I first started. I was like, what? Why are people paying all this money for this JPEG yeah. is a bit of oh, well, digital I mean as well see I actually I thought that NFTs questions. were like emojis yeah, yeah. yeah correct <laughs> I know Pam goes why are people paying for these emojis and What's I would first start laughing I was like well there you go right but um, Amy it's been absolutely amazing chatting to you today I'm so conscious of your time it's quite getting quite late in New York so um, I don't want to uh, keep you into the early hours of the night even though I could chat to you all day but know, just final thing where can people go <laughs> to find out more about you uh to read your articles, to yeah, learn more about what you're doing in the space. Sure. Well, I just introduced a Queens of Crypto series. So it's a monthly series where I'm um, profiling different women in Web3. Um, so that might be of interest to your audience. And that's on Forbes Women. That's where most yeah. of my articles are. But um, if you want to just get my whole story, all the stuff I work on, it's amyshowenthal.com. We'll make sure that we put that in the uh, in the show notes. So, Amy, absolute pleasure chatting to you today. And uh, for everyone that listened, thank you so much. Uh, make sure you uh, sign up to our uh, mailing list to get all of the latest Sisterhood Club podcast updates. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please give a little share on your social. And if you have time, please leave a review. And I hope to see you next time. Take care.